Well, good morning, everyone. Speaking of less is more, if you are having trouble finding a seat or a parking spot, uh, don't forget that the extension is open, and it, will, uh, it starts a half hour after uh, the Gent Road services start. So at 11.15, if you've been fighting in the minivan on your way over here, there's a way to save your marriage, and it's only three miles down the road. So just keep that in mind, and Saturday night services as well, but so glad that you're here and welcome. I trust that you all have been spending the week in fasting and prayer. Good Christians do that for the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's right. So Monday night, if you're not cheering for the Buckeyes, then you're actually not welcome here. (laughs) I'm joking because you need Jesus, but we're really excited about the Ohio State Buckeyes tomorrow night and uh, thrilled about that. But thanks for being here. We're actually starting a new series this weekend called Less is More, and we're looking at kind of focusing our priorities, our lives, drilling kind of deeper on the things that are of great, great value and distinguishing a little bit between the idea of something being good or better or eternal and thinking about how we would invest our lives, decisions we might make to get kind of from here to there. Now, what uh, sparked this conversation or kind of the desire to, to lock this series in is just kind of looking at our life and our culture and the way that we live and the things that have become normal for us as human beings in this day and age. We live in a very unique time of life in that, kind of unique time of history, in that for the first time, or at least more than ever, people, organizations, causes, companies are able to get their pleas for our attention in front of us, right? In in a way that they've never happened before. So it's it's TV, it's radio, and those are kind of the old-fashioned things. Now it's social media, and it's the phone, and it's always in front of us. And we, more than any other people on the face of the earth, have had the uh, people kind of in our ears and in our faces, and it's the way that we live. We're used to it, it's normal, and it's always kind of in front of us. Someone is always saying, thousands of people every day are saying to you as a person, what I think is important, my cause is important, what you should do, what you ought to do, what everybody else is doing, and it's in front of us all the time. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I'm not saying that we should all go Amish. That's not remotely where I'm at. But what I'm saying is it's a unique way that we live. And it's new and it's different. And never before in the history of humanity has that much noise been in front of us as people uh, than it is right now. Now, what happens because of this is because we're so aware of what's going on all the time, our minds race constantly, right? And so we're always racing, always thinking, always considering a new opinion, a new cause, a new idea, a new product. That is, that is the way that we live. We tend to go to bed that way. I bet you if we took a survey and if I asked how many of you, the last thing you do at night is either turn off a television or check your phone, right? We go to bed that way and we wake up that way. The first thing we do in the morning is we turn on a TV or we check our phones. And so that stream of information and that kind of fight for ideas is literally, we go to bed to it, we wake up to it, our minds race all the time. And because our minds race all the time, it has turned into a lifestyle in which our bodies move all the time. So in our culture, generally the way that we live is we spread ourselves incredibly thin 
over a bunch of different things. I know a little bit about your life and a little bit about your life and a little bit about this cause, and a little bit about that cause. I need to get the kids to sports. I need to go to school. I need to get my job. I need to, and we move, 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 move. And we race because that information is flooding our mind all the time, right? Now, the thing that represents that activity the most is social media. And I am not against social media. In fact, you can tweet that out right now. Jeff Bogue is not opposed to social media, right? This is not a message against social media. Social media represents the way that we live. So we have little touches, but no impact. Lots of information, but no investment. And so social media kind of works like that, right? I have thousands of friends, but I don't have a real relationship with anybody. I have hundreds of tweets, but I don't have a conversation with anybody. There are tens of thousands of pictures about what your friends are eating for dessert at this moment, right? But I am not experiencing anything that affects my life on a deep level. There are thousands of likes, but there are no investments. And it's not social media's fault. Social media tapped into the way that we're wired. And it's just a representation. It's typical of the way that we live. I give myself to everything, but I invest myself in nothing. So my mind races, my body races. And when my mind races and my body races, what happens is my soul becomes cluttered. It races as well. All these things are coming at me. And because I give my mind and my body to all these different things, I'm running to something or thinking about something, what happens is my affections also get spread out like that. I'm tied to a little bit of everything. So the Little League is a great cause, and so is feeding these people, and so is getting these things together, and so is doing that, and so is my family, and so is my spouse, and so are my friends, and so is this person I never met, and so is that cause over there, and so is Jesus, and so is the church, and so is this. And so my affection spread out, and what happens in our heart is the things that define us, direct us, the things that we love, are all put on the same plane with each other. I'm as invested in the soccer league as I am in being a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm as committed to whatever thing is going on at work as I am building the kingdom of God. And we live lives that are busy and active and we have souls that are empty because we think about a bunch of stuff, we like a bunch of stuff, we do a bunch of stuff, but we don't actually drill down and give our lives to much of anything. And the result is that the good things we do in life are considered as valuable as the eternal things that we do in life. Investing in myself is considered as good of an investment as investing in someone else, putting another's interests above my own. My relationship with the church or Christ, building the kingdom is another thing on my list of stuff to do, right? Because the, kid, the kids got dance on Friday, they got basketball on Saturday, they got soccer Saturday night. We're going out with our friends after that. We got to go to church and we got to get the rock knees before the chapel lets out. And we got to do this, we got to do... Okay? And it's the, the way that it works that we just move and our interaction with God gets thrown onto that same line as everything else that we have. Now, here's the deal. The activity is not the problem. 
right? Jeff Bogue is not against social media. That's, that's been on Twitter all weekend, right? Good, because I'm not against social media. The activity's not the problem because activities generally are benign. There's obviously sinful things that we can do, but generally our activities are benign. So for every person that's way too into exercise, there's 10 people that are way too into the walking dead, right? So you can, you can slap your activities around wherever you wanna be. The activities aren't the issue. The reason that we run around so much is because our souls are cluttered. The issues are our souls. The issues are the things that we value. The issues are our priorities. The issue is what we allow to define and direct us. And whatever defines our heart defines our thoughts. Whatever defines our thoughts dictates how we invest our bodies. It dictates what we do and how we run around. So you gotta get out from the noise. The activities are the symptom. The sickness is the soul. It doesn't matter what these activities are generally. They're benign. It matters what I'm giving myself to and what I'm investing myself in. A cluttered soul is poison to our lives. A cluttered soul will kill your dreams because you won't actually get the richness out of anything. A cluttered soul will poison your relationships because you'll have a thousand friends and no relationships, right? So the issue is the soul and then the condition of the soul is reflected through the way that I live and I know that's a fact because God said it's true. He says this in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. As a human being, our lives function from the soul up. As a human being, our lives function from the soul up. What's filling my heart is what will fill my thoughts and it's what will dictate my life. And God knows that. More than being an intellectual creature, more than being a physical creature, as a human being, what I am more than anything else, what will last for eternity is my soul. I am a spiritual creature at my core. So when I am not positioned correctly spiritually, when I'm not healthy spiritually, the rest of my life will not be healthy either. And in our culture, the way that's gonna play out is we're gonna run a thousand miles. We're, we're gonna be spread across everything and we're going to be invested in nothing. Now, there's a fascinating account I want us to look at here this weekend in the book of Luke. So grab your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs, it's page 725 in those Bibles. If you don't have a printed copy of the Bible and you want one, just keep that one, take it with you. And if you're electronic, we use the YouVersion app, YouVersion app, and you can open that up. We're Grace Church, and our zip code is 44333. Luke chapter 10, there's this fascinating account that is recorded in the Bible. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to talk it through a little bit, okay? So verse 38, the Bible says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So we know from this part of the Bible 
in other parts of the Bible, we know uh, quite a bit about Mary and Martha. So let me frame this in for you a little bit. Mary and Martha lived with their brother, Lazarus, and Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were some of Jesus's best friends. In the ancient world, when you were traveling, you didn't pull up to the Holiday Inn and get rooms for the night, right? You would go to your friend's house and they would feed you and take care of your animals and put a roof over your head for a night or two. And so Jesus and his disciples were out doing the work of the ministry. Jesus was teaching. They were traveling and they stopped at their friend's house. They stopped at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house and they needed to be cared for. So Martha starts to make all the preparations for the people living, uh, visiting her house. Her sister Mary goes and sits at Jesus' feet. Now, this is a big deal because in the ancient world, when there were men in the home, the women's role in the ancient world was to provide food and care for those men. Some of you ladies are like, what's changed? You know, I'm sorry, your husband's a jerk. I can't help you. But in the ancient world, that's the way that, that it worked, right? So it was very inappropriate in the ancient world for Mary to be with the men and Martha to be left alone doing all the work. That so frustrated Martha that she went and she yelled at Jesus, <laughs> it's hilarious, tell her to make, to come and help me. And then you see Jesus correct Martha and say, listen, your sister Mary has chosen the better thing. Now, if you grew up in church, I grew up in church, I've heard this story most of my life, or if you're even hearing this story for the first time this weekend, if you grew up in church, chances are this was taught to you incorrectly. If it's the first time you've ever heard it, I'm going to teach it to you right, right now, okay? So when I grew up in church, what I was taught was Martha is a sinful pagan woman. And she was doing all the wrong things and she went off on Jesus and he like snapped his fingers at her and said, girlfriend, you better, right? And so he like, it was taught to me that Martha was wrong and Mary was right and Jesus played referee in the process, okay? And the problem with that is it's not accurate. It's not in the Bible. Martha was not steeped in sin. Martha was not like in the other room, sacrificing a cat, putting up a Michigan banner. She wasn't steeped in sin, right? What was Martha's deal? Well, look at it, the Bible tells us. They came through, look at this. A woman named Martha opened her home. She invited them in, right? She had a sister called Mary, sat at Jesus' feet listening to him, but Martha, verse 40, was distracted. She wasn't in sin, per se. She was distracted. Martha was doing good things. It's not like she got invaded. She, she opened her home and said, come in, we'll take care of you. She was being loving and kind. When these people came into her home, let's not forget, like she's making a meal it's no, she had a minimum, minimum of 16 people to feed. Jesus is 12 disciples plus him is 13. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is 16. That's a minimum. You have 16 people over for lunch today when you can run down the Sam's Club, that's a lot of people. Back in the ancient world where you gotta, like, gotta kill the goat and go get, dig up the potato, right? I mean, it's a job. And these people are staying the night more than likely. They're there for shelter. So I have to feed them, 
I have to make sure everybody's got beds. I got to make sure the animals are cared for. I got to get the Wi-Fi password out to everybody. I have to host these people, right? She's not in sin. She's being kind. She's being hospitable. It's not that she's in sin. It's that she is distracted. There's a good thing and there's a better thing and Jesus does not rebuke her, he orients her. It's not that her activity was a sin. It's not a sin to exercise, it's not a sin to take your kids to Little League, it's not a sin to want them to get good grades, it's not a sin to go to work, it's not a sin to work on the house. But there's good, and then there's better, and then there's eternal. And Martha was distracted by the busyness of her life. In fact, it's fascinating. If you pull Martha aside and said, Martha, give me your top three priorities. What's your top three priorities? She would have said, and we know from here, we know from, she's in other parts of the Bible, so we know her a little bit. She would have said, Jesus first, God first, Jesus first. And when you read the rest of the Bible, that's true. She loves Jesus. That's why she invited him into her home, Jesus first. Then she would have said, family, family. She loved her sister, she loved her brother. In fact, later on, her brother dies and the Bible records it and then Jesus brings him back to life. But she's devastated that her brother dies. She loves her brother. So she said, God and family. And then she would have said probably something like friends, you know, or work or whatever. The same kind of priorities that you and I would have. But, it's fascinating, who does she get mad at? Jesus and her sister. Because the priorities of her life are getting in the way of the busyness of her life. And when we are so busy that we can't keep up with it, when the priorities need attention, we resent the priorities. The kids, the spouse, the friends, even what we would determine to be the demands of following Jesus. Now Mary, she nailed it. Look at the rest of the passage. Martha kind of goes off, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Help me, help me, help me. Verse 41, Jesus clarifies it. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. You're busy. You're giving yourself to many things. But look at it. But few things are needed and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, you're busy, you're running around like a maniac. There's a better choice and your sister is setting the example. She has chosen what is better, she is doing what? What's Martha distracted from? She's distracted from what Jesus is saying. What's Mary focused in on? Well, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is looking at, at Martha and saying, Martha, listen, buddy, lunch is gonna get made. Animals are gonna get fed. Your sister is capturing this moment. Your sister, who would give the same list of priorities that you would give, is acting on them. You are busy and distracted. Martha would have said, the number one thing in my life is Jesus. And he's sitting in her family room and she won't take the time to pay attention to him. 
The number two priority in my life is my, my family. And her family is hanging out with their closest friends, and she's busy doing whatever. Jesus is talking in the background, but she's so caught up in what's going on on her smartphone that she doesn't even, she has an irreplaceable moment. She's never gonna get this moment with Jesus again. The kids are only young once. It's a great time to have a conversation with my husband or my wife. This is an irreplaceable moment, but I'm lost. I'm lost. I, I talked to my kids one time about this, one of my sons, and I said, listen, you're, you're, you're with your grandparents are here and you're on your phone. He said, dad, I can multitask. I can multitask. I said, I know, you're very good at looking at your phone and ignoring people at the same time. <laughs> it's a moment that's not going to come back and it's being lost because Mary is doing good, Martha is doing good things Mary is actually acting on the priorities that she was set off. And Jesus says to Martha, Martha, listen, lunch is gonna get made. Your busyness is only gonna turn into your busyness tomorrow. What Mary is doing, the time she captured with me, the input that she's allowing me to have in her life, the enjoyment of a relationship with me and all these friends in the room, that is never going to leave her. You're doing good, there's better, but your sister is investing in the eternal, right? Now, what I wanna do is I wanna try to give you guys a life hack on this. I wanna show you how this works a little bit and, and show you how to think through it. How do we get from good to better to the eternal? How do we get like a merry attitude of connecting and, and receiving from Jesus and how does that flush out in our lives, okay? So let's think this through a little bit. Why are we so tempted, or why are we so drawn to busyness? Why does that click with us so much? Why do we hear all these causes and all this advertising and all this, but why does that tie into us, okay? So let, let's pretend that this is your heart, okay, your heart. The reason we're so tied or drawn to busyness is because our hearts are empty and dry. That's the nature of the human heart. The human heart has to have something in it. We have to give ourselves to something. Every human being has a cause. Sometimes the cause is myself, sometimes the cause is whatever, but every human being has to have a cause. They have to give ourselves to something, right? It's the nature of who we are, and this is our heart. So what we've learned over time is when I take something external and I put it into my heart, it feels good. Oh, that felt good. I was so like, feeling bad about myself, so I went and I worked out and I feel better now, right? I was so burned out, and so what I did was I, I went, I took, a, I took the weekend off, took a little trip away, oh, that felt good, that felt really good. And there's, there's truth in that, that feels good, okay? So we'll put something into our heart because our heart is dry and we wanna, we wanna quench that dryness in our heart, we need something in us. So we'll put something in us that feels good, and it does feel good, it does help a little. But the other thing that's true of the human heart is that it leaks. So whatever I put into my heart feels good for a little bit, but it's going to go away. I can get away for the weekend, it feels good. It, it truly does feel good, but it's going to go away. I can go see a movie or have a few drinks or whatever, and it's going to feel good. It's actually gonna make me feel better as a human being, but it's going to go away. Our hearts leak, it's the nature of it. Life takes energy. 
So being a good spouse, a good husband, a good wife takes energy. Being an engaged parent takes energy. Being a dedicated friend takes energy. Pursuing a dream takes energy. It's just the way it is. So we spend what goes into our heart. Now what we've been taught, I've been taught this a lot over the years, is because the heart takes energy, what I need to do in order to keep my heart full is I need to plug the holes that drain the energy from my life. And so we'll do that. I'm gonna, we'll have this mindset. I have this one friendship that's malfunctioning. If I can go fix this one friendship, then my life will be better. If I can just get my degree, then my life will be better. If, we can, if I just get my marriage settled down or get the kids straightened out or get connected with the church a little bit, then, what, then I'll get my life better, right? And that mindset, that plug the hole mindset leads to what I call a as soon as life. Anybody live, as, live in a, as soon as life? So an as soon as life is this. As soon as I'm done with this project at work, we're gonna catch up as a family. As soon as we get this car paid off, our financial pressures will go away. As soon as the kids are out of the house, we're gonna rebuild our marriage. As soon as I get this other three goals met, then life's gonna finally settle down. And if you've ever tried to live in as soon as like, as soon as I get my degree, I'll get a job because everybody's getting jobs right now, right? We have this mindset and if you've ever tried to live it, you know it's a lie. Because as soon as I get over this hill, there's a thousand more hills to get over and I keep delaying satisfaction and investment into my life. Our culture would say, you've got to fill your heart up, it leaks, so what you need to do, the truth, uh, what you need to do to keep your heart filled is you have to increase the intake, ready? And that is true. I need to keep the intake coming in to keep my heart filled up because my heart leaks. But our culture would say the way that you get the intake up is you take sips, put lots of stuff in your heart to keep a little bit in it. So I, I gotta, I'm gonna get the kids a little league and that's gonna make me feel better because I was a good dad and then I'm gonna make sure everybody gets good grades and I gotta get that promotion at work, I gotta do that. And we gotta, I'll feed the kids, feed the kids, but make it healthy, get the chicken nuggets, not the hamburger, because they need that. And oh, oh we gotta go to church. Oh, gonna, oh, isn't there a youth retreat or something? Oh, we gotta do that. And that's right, I'm supposed to be a good kid at school and I gotta do that. And we'll throw all this stuff into our lives and it's good stuff. We're not throwing necessarily sinful stuff into our lives. We're throwing good stuff into our lives. But the volume of activity it takes to take a little sip here and a little sip there and a little sip there and a little sip there so that there's something in our heart is what winds up overwhelming us, okay? Now here's life hack number one, ready? If I can move from sips to big gulps, then I can move from good to better. So I can run my kids to every practice in the world. Monday we got gymnastic practice, on Tuesday there's dance practice, on Wednesday there's baseball practice, on Thursday there's a practice for the practice to get ready for the Friday practice, and we gotta... (laughs) I can do that and say, well, I'm trying to be a good parent, and that that fills my heart, or I can have one good, meaningful conversation with my kids and actually get to know them and understand their life a little bit, less is more. The volume of that return is substantially higher than all those Dixie Cups. 
I can look at my, my, my marriage, for instance, my relationship, and I can, you can throw flowers at her, you can throw candy at her, you can get her a new car, you can make him a nice dinner, you can have a flurry of activity, or we could go away for one weekend without the kids and talk and enjoy each other and work on the friendship that is our marriage and we can remember that we like each other and we love each other, maybe even we want each other, this is fantastic. It's gonna give a much better return on your investment because you did one thing instead of 20 things. You can do that in your relationship with God. I, I can listen, I listen to a song on the fish and then I listen to part of a podcast about a thing, about a deal, and then we run over here, da, 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 da. Or you can be in biblical community and actually share your life with other people and there's a greater return on your investment, you see. Less is more. I'm going to get more out of my life by doing less with it. My heart needs to be filled. I'm gonna fill it with something. How I fill it's a question. Is it Dixie cups or is it buckets? And taking the time to do the right things gives me a better return, a longer return than doing a bunch of active things. But what happens, it still leaks. I can move from good to better, but how do I move to eternal? What would I do to invest myself in the eternal things? Not just spread myself over everything, not just do things that pacify stuff, but actually make decisions of investment that cause life change and pay off forever. Jesus says something fascinating in the book of John. He says this in John chapter seven. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. What if there's a way that the intake supply never goes away? What if there's a way that I don't have to reach for a cup or reach for a bucket and always try to think through how to, what if the supply of living water was internal? What if it was placed there and empowered there by God? And what if God brought satisfaction to the soul? What if God brought fulfillment to life? What if God brought purpose for living? What if less is more? What if it's not all the good of feeding 16 people and taking care of the animals? What if it's not the rushing around to try to, what if the key is sitting at the feet of Jesus? And he produces within us a living water that is of endless supply. What if the key is deepening my relationship with God, doing way more than just showing up at church a little bit? What if the key is understanding the depth of my sin and the enormity of God's grace and love, not just being a, a spiritual person? What if the key is understanding what God would have me to do, allow him to define and direct my life, not asking God to slap a blessing on what I already decided to give my life to? What if we move from good to better, it's a good move, I'm just telling you, you're gonna get a higher return on your investment. And then what if we move from better 
to eternal. So that what I am doing, Jesus saying to Martha, will never be taken away from me. I focus my family spiritually that isn't going away. Soccer's gonna go away. Your kid is not gonna play pro soccer. I'm ready to put the deed to the house down on that bet. Focusing my marriage spiritually is not gonna go away. Because warm, fuzzy feelings, they go away. And when all the tension locks up, I need God in the middle of that. That's actually what's gonna let me be married for 50 years. It's my commitment to God, not my commitment to Heidi. What if I invest in the kingdom of God, not just my career? Because your career's gonna go away. You're gonna retire at best, more than likely you'll get downsized or maybe drop dead. And they're gonna walk right over your still warm body and keep that company going. But the treasure in heaven, the kingdom of God, your work, your money, your life investment literally echoes through eternity. Jesus to Martha, what your sister's doing is not going to go away. And you are craving your heart being filled, your soul being filled, right? And I am willing to satisfy that endlessly. How do you do it? Well, you sit at my feet. You deepen yourself in me. You invest yourself in the things that are eternal, right? And you're probably going to have to slow down to do it because less is more. Guys, just think about this a little bit. Do you remember last Tuesday all the things that you looked at on Facebook? Everything you liked? All the tweets you read? Or is that powerful quote that you remembered for four minutes? Was it life-changing? How much time did you spend on social media in a day? Oh, I barely use it. Maybe an hour, two, or all day, every day. How much time did you spend on that, or TV, or your job, or whatever, the, the activities are relevant? In comparison to being at Jesus' feet. And I don't even remember this, but this would have actually changed my life. How many friends' desserts did you look at last week? You ever remember it? But do you remember that one time you guys got together and you laughed until you cried? Because it was a real relationship? And we do remember it, and we remember it 25 years later. That way, when we get together with all of our college buddies, we tell that story, and we're back in that moment again. Why? Because we were actually with someone. We went from good to a better investment, see? Do you remember that to-do list from September 17th, 2012? You don't remember that list? You don't remember, you don't, because you were so dialed into that list. Remember you yelled at the kids? And you told your wife to leave you alone? And the world shut down? Nary, the very axis of the earth was at stake. If the gutter, you don't remember that? Because that, everybody else remembers you blowing up. I don't remember what he was doing, but he was mad. 
Do you remember when you got away with your wife and forgot about the chores at home? And you walked and you talked and you enjoyed and you were friends and you got a little anger that night? <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Isn't it fascinating that when you pulled away and you invested in someone, you remember that we're friends and we're lovers and we got married for, isn't it really fascinating? Remember that game? You remember this. Remember the game on week four of this year's NFL season? The second game, the one that's on Fox? Not, not the team you root, not, not the Browns game or the team you root for, the other game that was just on and that get, you wanted to see the end of it because you were pretty sure that was, remember that? Remember the one play, the score, the who won? Remember that? And you decided that, like, we're not doing church tonight, we're skipping life groups for the kids, and we're, we're, we're not gonna, you remember that? Do you remember washing your children's feet at communion? Do you remember after you and your spouse had communion together, when you circled the family up and prayed, do you remember the tear in your wife's eye? Do you remember when you turned off the games and forgot about the tailgating and came to church and you came to church that one weekend and God spoke to you in service and to this day you're convinced that your husband emailed me? And he, he, he does sometimes, but not that particular week he didn't. Because God interacted with you. You remember that one Friday night when you're so exhausted and you just want to sit home, and then, but you got up and you came to the worship night and you engaged God and you felt full and rich and connected and you hadn't felt that way in so long. Remember that? When we give ourselves to everything, we give ourselves to nothing. And the sickness that we wrestle with as a culture, it, it, these are not sins. Social media, it's not sins. Get off of that, it's nonsense. It's my soul. The sickness that we wrestle with as a culture is our lives are overflowing and our souls are empty. And I can make better decisions. Go from good to better. It's only going to pay off for you. But Jesus says, I got another invitation, a better invitation. Good job going from good to better. But if you really want to make this baby cook, go from better to eternal. And that won't leave you. That will pay off forever. And if you're honest, and you stop for a second and think about it, that's the part of my life I love. I love investing in my kids. I love having healthy relationships. I love being with my friends. I love, I never regret the time I take with the Lord. It's not that you're a jerk and you're gonna forsake Christ and do something. We're just distracted. Just distracted. Martha's freaking out about lunch. This is what I find hilarious. She's worried about lunch, feeding Jesus. Jesus, 
who had just fed 20,000 people with a couple fish and some bread. <laughs> Lunch is going to happen with Jesus. <laughs> right? And that's what he was helping her. Martha, listen, your sister nailed this one. Follow her lead. There's a pastor in Chicago. His name is Bill Hybels. He's got a great quote. He says, we confuse motion with progress in our culture. We confuse motion with progress. And that's what I hope you can chew on as you go out of here this weekend. The question is not, am I busy? That's easy. We're, we're not really lazy people, right? We move. The question is, am I making progress? And that's what I would encourage you to chew on. Are you making progress? It's not, do I have a thousand friends? Am I making progress in my relationships? Are my friendships deepening? Anybody know my heart? Anybody know my soul? Do I know theirs? Am I actually committed to live? Do I have a friend that's closer than a brother? That those people, we talk about them all the time. We talk about them. We never talk to them. Maybe we should have that family over. Maybe we should connect. Maybe I should write that note of encouragement. Not in, my motion, in motion, am I making progress? My relationship with my spouse, you making progress? Oh yeah, we go on great. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. We, we get things handled, kids get delivered. We have, in fact, we have our meeting this afternoon. We line up our calendars once a week and we work together great. That's fantastic. I work together great with Pastor Ezra. He's ugly. I don't want anything to do with him. That's a, that's a business partner. That's not a marriage. Do you enjoy your spouse? Are you friends? That's why you fell in love. Do you talk? I, I didn't say organize. Do you talk? Do you know what's in their life? Do, you, do they know? Are you lovers? Do you take the time? Are you making progress? And what about your relationship with God? Oh, we come to church every, we haven't missed, I haven't missed church in two months. You haven't missed soccer practice in two months. What's that got to do with anything? Do you love Jesus? Are you understanding the depth of your sin and the enormity of God's grace? Do you enjoy your relationship with God? Do you interact, even know what it means to interact with the Holy Spirit? Do you know God's word on a deeper level? Are you sharing your love for God with other people? Don't confuse motion with progress because we can give ourselves everything and invest ourselves in nothing. And if we can move from the good to the better, it's gonna be very beneficial. If we can move from the better to the eternal, Jesus said it, that's never gonna be taken away. All right, I'm gonna pray for us. And uh, as I pray, I want, I want the bands to come up so if they could get ready. And this is what we wanna do. We wanna cause a pause to happen in your life, right? So church is awesome for this. So all the noise and busyness, just do it. Like in your mind's eye, press pause. And give some attention and focus to God and marinate and process through what we've been talking about. If I said to you, what are your three priorities? I bet you most of you who would have got up and come to church on a weekend would say, God first, family, and then, okay. You said it, how's it playing out in your life? So pray that through, think that through. Maybe you get a piece of paper, maybe you talk it through, whatever it is. 
but the band's going to play some music just to kind of block out some noise, and we'll sing some songs. You can use the words of the songs, or you cannot. You can stand, you can sit, you can do whatever you want, but take a few minutes and pause and engage what God may be pushing at and define the good, the better, the eternal, right? Okay, so I'll pray, and then we'll kick that off. Jesus, we love you. Thanks for loving us. God, it's your goodness. You, you flabbergast me, God. We're, we hate you, you, the Bible says, in our sin. We're objects of your wrath. So you came to us, you died for us, you lived for us, you rose again for us, and now you want to fulfill our souls. It's incredible how much you love us and how good you are to us. So God, let us take advantage of that to receive the salvation that you freely offer and to receive this abundant, rich, meaningful life that you want us to enjoy as well. So Lord, those of us who know you through your Holy Spirit, help us to sort out all that clutter. Those of us who don't, God, bring our need for you to the forefront. And all of it, thank you that you draw us to you through your kindness. We love you, Jesus. And walk us through this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen.